It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 7th, 2017, Election Day here in Orlando. My name is Phil Prosperike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be with you here on a Tuesday as your Orlando Magic are getting set for their final home game before a big West Coast trip coming up at the end of the week. We'll preview that West Coast trip at, later on this week, as as I always like to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll remind everyone again, the West Coast, the first West Coast trip of the year is usually the, 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 the trip where I really make a determination as, as, as an observer uh, about this team, and we learn a lot about this team on those trips. So we'll be diving into that later on in the week. But of course, the Magic will play the New York Knicks on Wednesday. We'll have a complete preview of that game on tomorrow's episode, as well as the latest update on Alfred Payton and his return. The Orlando Magic had practice off on Monday. They will practice on Tuesday. So we'll get the word from Frank Vogel and the Orlando Magic about Alfred Payton's status for that game coming up on Wednesday. A big one against New York Knicks as they had an impressive win over the Indiana Pacers on Sunday. Again, we'll have a complete preview of that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. But today, on today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jonathan Isaac and his progress through the early part of the season. Some of the things that I've seen from him and and kind of a, 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 a little bit of a, a, a kind of think piece or, or just kind of thinking a little bit more about uh, Isaac and where and uh, more about what the Magic want from him eventually, or or what fans seem to want from him, but uh, maybe they aren't getting quite yet. As well as some thinking about uh, what the Magic are actually getting from Isaac and 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 how he's played to expectations. He's he's actually been very very good, and I've been very very happy with him as an observer of this team. I'm also going to talk a little bit about kind of a, a checkup of where we're at at the 10-game mark, maybe note some statistics that are interesting for the Magic through this through the 10-game point, 10-game mark of the season, as well as what looks like it's going to be sustained and what isn't as we turn toward the quarter pole of the season, about 10 games away from now, and uh, look ahead to, uh, again, some, some big games coming up here as the Magic are, are really doing a fair fairly good job getting through this early stretch of their schedule. Let's dive right in. As I said, I want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Isaac, the Orlando Magic's rookie. Uh, As everyone kind of knows, I think, you know, and it's human nature to do this, and I don't think this is crazy. This This is nothing negative to anyone. There is a little bit of a let's try out the new toy. Let's, I mean, I, everyone's like that. You know, you get you get a new toy on Christmas. You want to play with it immediately until you get tired of it. Uh, and and I think that's partly why there's still an obsession over Mario Azonia and why I've talked about Mario Azonia so much and wrote a 
you know, big article on Mario Zonia and his improvements, yet the, the fight he still has to go through to, to make this roster and, and really stay in this rotation uh, for this team. Um, he's a still constant point of discussion. I know there's a lot of lot of Croatian fans that want his own to succeed. Um, you know, they, they 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 go against me a little bit sometimes. I, I push back a little bit because, you know, my you know our interests are to get the, make the magic better. Their interests are make Azonia better, and 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 they do sometimes, you know, overlap. And then I think, you know, the magic would certainly admit to some mistakes in his development. Uh, but definitely a player that that has a lot riding on him because the magic invested a lot in him. And the same could be said for Jonathan Isaac. To get back to our point, the magic invested a sixth overall pick that in a loaded draft with a lot of great options, whether you know it was Malik Monk or uh, whoever else, whoever else the magic were looking at um, at that pick. Uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, playing pretty well for Dallas. But the Magic picked Jonathan Isaac because they loved his defensive versatility. They loved his athleticism. They they liked what he could become down the road. And for a, a lot of fans who expected this Magic team to be a team that uh, that was going to try to compete now and compete for for wins now and try and make the playoffs... That isn't, Isaac isn't the player that they wanted in that sense because Isaac was going to take some time. He was extremely, extremely raw, but the talent and potential was there and he had a long way to go. And I'll admit I was one of the doubters uh, for Isaac uh, in the draft and, and I was not particularly high on him. I thought that he was, he obviously had the physical tools and the more I watched him, the more I did like him, but I just, I didn't think he fit the Magic's timeline or their core guys because I'm an Aaron Gordon guy and I think Aaron Gordon is very, very good. And I kind of saw Isaac as a power forward more than a small forward in the NBA. I just didn't trust his shot. And and certainly with that sixth overall pick, I thought the Magic needed an assertive player. And, and, as, and I've, as I've told people who still argue, oh, the Magic should have taken Dennis Smith Jr., I, yeah, I probably would have, and no offense to Jonathan Isaac, I'm going to say some great things about him in a moment. But yeah, I probably would have taken Dennis Smith Jr. with the, with the facts that I had at hand at the moment. But Jonathan Isaac has played well. Don't let the meager statistics fool you. Through nine games, in nine games, he of course missed one game with an illness, he's averaging 6.2 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, shooting 47.8% from the floor, and 30.8% from beyond the arc. Um, I, I am not as high on his shooting right now. Uh, I think that that has come and gone, and it's not consistent. So I'm not a huge fan of Jonathan Isaac's shooting. And really, uh, you know, I think Frank Vogel has said it best. Anything you get from Jonathan Isaac is a bone offensively is a bonus. That's not why he's on the floor. Why he's on the floor and why Magic fans should continue to be excited about him is his defense. Vogel has said and several players have said that Isaac's defense is NBA ready and it's very uh, very rare to see a 20-year-old step in and understand defense immediately. You take a look at some basic defensive metrics, the box score metrics according to basketballreference.com Two, he has a 2.8 defensive box plus minus. Essentially, this is a rookie who is playing 2.8 points per 100 possessions better than the average player. That is probably near elite status. I'd have to let me. I'd have to look it up to see uh, whether that's a, a, a whether that's a leader among the league. Whether that's that's something. Uh, that's that's really really good here. Uh, I'm actually looking it up right now while I stall. Um, the leader in defensive box plus minus is Andre Drummond at 5.5. Jonathan Isaac 
Jonathan Isaac is actually 19th in the league in defensive box plus minus according to basketball reference. Now, defensive box plus minus is hardly a perfect stat. It hardly defines um, a, 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 a an individual's contribution to the defensive end. It looks at box score stats, which blocks, steals, stuff like that. Um, and so uh, there, there's definitely some noise there. But when you watch Jonathan Isaac play, you certainly believe that. You certainly believe that he is this good. That he is, you know, a, a player that can play at that high level and is making that kind of an impact on the defensive end. His positioning is fantastic. His instincts are fantastic. His shot blocking is fantastic. He's made it an impact on the defensive end of the floor. And it's it's to the point where a lot of fans, and I don't know if I completely agree with this, but a lot of fans thought his absence in the Charlotte game really hurt the Magic defensively overall. I'm not willing to go that far. But considering that Jonathan Isaac and Jonathan Simmons, two strong defenders, were the two key two, two key additions to this Magic roster. And the Magic now are, are fifth in the league in defensive rating. They're 12th in offensive rating. Defense is quickly going to become the Magic's calling card. It's something that they have to rely on and, and, and shore up. It kept, them in, it kept them in the game probably longer than they should have been in the two losses over the weekend. And Jonathan Isaac is a big part of that. A big momentum-building part of that. But on top of all this, I would say that what I saw from Jonathan Isaac in Sunday's game against the Boston Celtics was really, really encouraging. It's one of the better, it's one of the better all-around games that I've seen from him. And he's had some good performances. He scored nine points, tying a career high, shot four for eight from the floor, one for two from beyond the arc, six rebounds, two blocks in that, or I'm sorry, two, two blocks in that game. A really strong effort from Jonathan Isaac. But it's the way that he scored that I was really impressed with. He got into rhythm, got rhythm jumpers. He had that nice and one in garbage time. He did a lot of just really kind of subtly good things. And and, and as I've said with Jonathan Isaac, it's going to take some patience with him. He's not going to just go out and score 20 every night. That's not who he is. That's I don't think he's comfortable in doing that yet. I don't think he... It's not that he doesn't have the confidence. Is that naturally, I think he wants to defer offensively. He, he, he's certainly seeking comfort there. But at the same time, I think that Isaac is getting there. And not merely just getting there. I think that Isaac has, has found a nice groove and found a nice role. And it's gotten to the point where the Magic are willing to do some more experimenting with him and to put him in kind of bigger opportunities for him. A lot of people constantly ask me, when are the Magic going to play Jonathan Isaac at center? When are the Magic going to play Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon together? And at the beginning of the season or or before the season started, I said, you know, I like those ideas. I think that that there's something there to explore. But you can't rush the kid. You give the kid what he can handle. And I told I told people I don't expect him to be in lineups with Aaron Gordon, whether playing center or not, till 
maybe December or the midpoint of the season. I just thought Isaac's development would go a little slower. That it would take him a little longer to get used to the NBA play. The Magic are regularly running lineups out there with Isaac and Gordon. It's it's not for very long. It's typically toward the end of the second quarter, um, before halftime, that the Magic will run a Gordon-Isaac lineup out there. They've played a few minutes together. Uh, but the Magic are, are trying to find ways to use Isaac. It's not They're not trying to hide him anymore. They're not trying to put him in easy positions to succeed. I mean, I think they still generally are. He's coming off the bench, but... Game three, he was guarding LeBron James. Game three, he was starting his first game. Uh, they didn't turn to a Kem Birch at power forward or a Maurice Spates at power forward. They threw Isaac in, into the into the fire. And, you know, against Cleveland, he had five points, two for six shooting, six rebounds, held his own, four fouls, held his own, learned, learned a lesson. He's been solid all season on the defensive end. His offense will come and go. But... I think the Magic have found a very clear, defined role for Isaac. They know how to use him, use him, and and he's found a a, a reason to be on the floor. He he makes some mistakes as as all young players do, but he makes a lot of really good plays, and that keeps him on the floor. And defense and effort will keep you on the floor in this league. And so that's where Isaac is right now. Is he going to win Rookie of the Year? No, he was probably never going to win Rookie of the Year. He was never going to be that player. But at the same time, Isaac has done a lot of really, really good things. And if you're a Magic fan and you're watching Jonathan Isaac, there is a lot to be excited about. There is a ton to be excited about with Jonathan Isaac. And he's young and he's probably going to take two steps forward, one step back. But I think he's going to take a lot of steps forward this year. He's already taken a lot of steps forward this year. And this shiny new toy the Magic have, we're not getting bored of it anytime soon. I can tell you that much. And and it's definitely, definitely a, a, a lot of fun watching him play. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, I I wanted to to do that summary of Jonathan Isaac because because we like the rookies. We like to talk about the rookies. But uh, we have hit a quasi-milestone for the season. Uh, and and that quasi milestone being the ten game mark. Uh, you know, we, we earlier in the year we asked Frank Vogel a little bit about statistics and where the Magic fall, and 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 he kind of said, you know, guys, it's still really early in the season. 
I really don't start looking at statistics and, and figuring out what's normal until about the 10-game mark of the season, uh, and then we'll start worrying a little bit about it or, or believing them a little bit more. Uh, I still think it's very, very early in the season to worry too much about statistics. There's still a lot of noise. There's still a lot of outliers I- involved, um, and, and one of the examples I'm going to give is, is going to come up here. Uh, but at the same time, we can start looking at these. We can start looking at these statistics and maybe drawing a few conclusions or thinking about what is sustainable and what isn't. The first thing that that has to be noted is the offense. Um, I think we we should start there with the Magic's offense and where they stand today offensively. For the majority of the season, the Magic offense has been incredible. The the second best offense in the league by offensive rating. The last two games, just to show you how small the sample size is, you fail to score 90 in back-to-back games. You go from the second best offense in the league to the 13th best offense in the league. We were all waiting for the Magic to fall back to earth, to kind of fall back to their mean. Didn't expect it to happen in two games so suddenly like this. And the Magic certainly had some frustration and, 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 and some extenuating circumstances without a point guard out there. But the Magic have crashed a little hard. Right now, through 10 games, they have a 105.3 offensive rating. That means they score 105.3 points per 100 possessions. And that is good for 13th in the league. So the Magic at this point are a league average offense. Considering where they were last year, where they were essentially the worst or second worst team in almost every major offensive category or every scoring category, I think the Magic will take that. The Magic offense is clearly not as bad as it was the last two nights. It's probably not as good as it was the previous eight times out. But there is a happy middle that the Magic will reach, and it does seem like they're going to be hovering around the top 10 in offensive rating all year long. I think if you add in Alfred Payton, like the Magic are hoping to Wednesday, that will settle things down and stabilize the team a little bit. Their lack of a consistent point guard, whether, no offense to Shelvin Mack, he really struggled running the team. Jonathan Simmons really struggled running the team. And they just lacked a rhythm and and a pace about them that they need to succeed. This is a rhythm shooting team. I think we will see lots of games this year where the Magic struggle to make shots and they they might struggle to generate offense for, for a while. But if they have a point guard, if they're able to get out and, and, and transition, they are able to play with, with kind of a tempo that they've been lacking the last two nights, the offense will change. And the Magic's pace certainly played a role in their losses the last two outings. So getting a point guard back, whether it's Peyton or Augustin, will help this team dramatically. Especially because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really high and I'm really excited about Peyton coming back because I think Peyton plays this offense beautifully. And I think he is, I think we we all saw what DJ Augustin did. DJ Augustin was great. I think Peyton plays better than that. I think he makes the offense even better than it was with Augustin. Now, the Magic might not play that well because their shooting was so astronomically good. But I think that the Magic will still be very, very good on the offensive end. I think we'll see them shoot shoot up a little bit. So I think I think we're seeing the Magic kind of at the bottom of their offensive abilities right now without a point guard. So I think that I think the Magic's offense is indeed here to stay. I think that the Magic, you know, will continue to get open shots, whether they make them or not. That's what this league's about. 
Uh, but I think teams will teams know they have to respect that shot, and and you see them changing their defensive strategy to do it. You're seeing a lot more switching. You're seeing a lot more trying to force and force isolations. And if the Magic just stay out of those traps, I think they'll find success offensively, especially when when Alfred Payton comes back. What is really interesting to note, even after the last two games, the Magic are now fifth in the league in defensive rating, giving up 100.9 points per 100 possessions. I'm going to talk. A, I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow um, after practice. But and tip my hand there to everyone about what I'm going to write about. But the Magic's defense has been okay. I wouldn't describe it as top five good or elite good. I think that the Magic are doing some good things defensively. I think they've given up a lot of open three-pointers. I think their rebound rate is still something that has to come down or that, that, that's something they have to bring up. Their defensive rebound rate, uh, the Magic, currently have a, a 75.8% defensive rebound rate, which is 23rd in the league. Essentially, they're giving up the 8th most offensive rebounds in the league per possession so they've got a lot of work they got to do to shore up the glass. They, they they give up a lot of points in the paint still. They've given up a fair amount of open three-pointers that, that just have not fallen against them. So they've got a lot of work to do there. But I think that the Magic defense has been better than people think. I, I, I don't think these numbers are lying. I think the Magic have played better defense than people think. I know Basketball Breakdown had a great look at that and, and how the Magic have played better defense uh, in, in this recent stretch. Uh, but the Magic certainly still have a, a little ways to go to get where they want to be defensively uh, and and um, and be the team they want to be. Essentially, you know, sitting here at this ten game mark, the Ma- sitting here at the ten game mark, the Magic are, are are definitely happy that they're six and four. But I would also say that they're probably not satisfied. They know that the offense is humming along and that they're doing some good things offensively. But now in the last two games, they've seen just how much they can struggle and just how much, again, like I I said after Friday's game, how much their demons can come out to play. If they fall back into their bad habits, they're not going to win basketball games. But I think they've also seen that their defense can help them win games when their offense is clicking. What I want to see in the next 10 games, let's say, let's 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 use 10 game increments. What I want to see in the next 10 games is their defense win them a game. Win them more games, in fact. We saw them do it in Memphis. The Magic shot poorly in Memphis, and their defense won them that game. They made some key shots at the end of the game, but they made some great defensive plays. Even as Terrence Ross made, you know, those gaffes that he made, the Magic played really, really well on the defensive end. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Conversely, I think that the Magic, you know, need to, again, they need to see their defense become more of a bedrock. 
when that offense is struggling. That's something they they didn't do against Chicago. Against Chicago, their defense kept them in that game even though they weren't hitting shots. But they let go of the rope in the third quarter and the fourth quarter and got blown out. Same thing happened against Boston. Their defense kept them in that game, but when the shots didn't fall in the fourth quarter, when the pressure started to ratchet up, their defense crumbled. That's something that has to change for this team. Conversely, Orlando needs to keep hitting shots. Orlando needs to keep trusting each other, keep trusting the pass, keep doing all the things that that have worked so far this year. And if they do that, it will be a successful second 10 games, and the Magic will sit at the 20-win mark with at the 20 game mark with, you know, maybe 14 wins, maybe 15 wins. 15 wins would be a lot. 14 wins would be a lot. Let's say 13 wins. 7 and 3 in the next 10 games, does that sound fair? Maybe another 6 and 4 get to 12. It certainly feels possible with the way this team has played. They're shooting the lights out still, even after the last two games where they struggled from beyond the arc. They're still second in the league in three-point field goal percentage. They're still uh, second in the league in, or not sorry, I'm sorry, they're fifth in the league now in effective field goal percentage. This is still a really good offensive team, and teams know that. And now that these stats are feeling a little bit more real, teams are going to respect those shots a lot lot more. So the Magic sitting here at the 10-game mark ha- certainly have a lot they need to improve on, a lot that they still need to prove, but things are looking very, very good for the Magic. If you do believe in the in, in the way the team played in the first 10 games, it does seem like there's still room for growth. And even if you don't believe in those first 10 games, maybe the Magic go 5-5 five and five in the next 10 and end up at 11-9. That would still be pretty good for this team. And I think that would you know show that they still have room to grow and still can improve and can get better as the season goes on and as they feel the pressure and stay in this playoff race, which I think that the Magic will stay in the playoff race. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on the Panoply Network as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing and give us five stars, even if we're not doing well, because that helps us climb the rankings. And I do do occasionally look at the ratings just to see what everyone has to say. So uh, I do read, I do want to hear your feedback on the show and, and get a sense of what y'all are thinking. You can, of course, follow the show on Twitter, at, again, at Locked on Magic. And, of course, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is opening soon. So I am accepting questions now. If you're a podcast listener, you can get your questions in early and be sure that I answer them or that... I answer your specific question. You can, of course, send your questions to me on Twitter at LockedOnMagic, at OmagicDaily, or by email at OmagicDaily at gmail.com. Just let me know that you're doing a mailbag question, and I will put that question in my mailbag post. Hopefully, I'll be putting that out while the Magic are out on the West Coast. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode looking at getting the latest on the Alfred Payton injury as well as looking a little bit closer at the Orlando Magic defense. But for now, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.